singles, how have you all been? I'm so thrilled to welcome you to another episode of the Big Friday Podcast. I'm your always vigorous host, Chelsea. Do you often struggle with discontent that you question your current status in life? Well, as we continue the Life Detox series, Brother Edric Mendoza will unpack the sources and remedies to discontent with the message, Destroy Discontent. So let's prepare our hearts as we listen to Brother Edric Mendoza. Singles, friends, and family that are watching, it is a privilege for me to be with you guys. And we are currently going through a series called Life Detox. And as we go through this Life Detox series, you know, we are undertaking a massive move for our country because of this uh, upcoming elections. And I don't know about you, but when you look online, it's going crazy online and even outside various places. It is becoming the new uh, main discussion point of many groups and even a source of tension and discontent for many people as they're wondering, who will the next president be? Who will the next vice president be? What about the senators, Congress, and everyone down the line? And with this rumbling that's going on and maybe discontent that's happening because we're concerned, I know some people who are literally thinking of moving countries because of the possible outcomes of these elections, I want to weigh in. And I'm not going to get controversial, but I want to weigh in and tell you who I think should be elected for president, right? And if you'll see on your screens right now, it is Rick Astley. <laughs> Why? Some of you may have gotten this meme because he will never give you up, let you down, run around or desert you. <laughs> so I just wanted to have some fun with you guys because the climate is really quite heavy now for many of us. And if you're going online, um, you know, part of what, what I wanted to unpack with you guys in this Life Detox series is actually found in a very interesting what's called Gini coefficient, right? Some of you may know what the Gini coefficient is. It's basically the economic disparity that's present in a region. So it's a coefficient that measures from zero to one and zero is the most e unequal, right? And one is the most equal. So you want to find out in a country or city or location how equal people are in terms of economic status, whether it's mostly rich uh, or mostly poor or mostly middle class. The more equal, the more closer to one and the more unequal, as I mentioned, the closer to zero. Why am I sharing this to you guys? You know, when you look at the restlessness in our hearts, when you look at the discontent that might be happening, I, I joked a little bit about the political climate, although it, it can be serious for many people. When I look at the, the root problem here, there's a, a gentleman named Jordan Peterson. He's a, uh, a Canadian clinical psychologist. And from one of the single guys that I'm discipling, he brought this data to me. The Gini coefficient, when it was used to study areas, this gentleman, the, the clinical psychologist, said that many people will think, you know, high poverty leads to high crime, but that's actually not true. He's saying, using that Gini coefficient, he says, the greater the disparity or the relative poverty, right? So poverty related to others, that's what will dictate the amount of crime. And when I heard that, I realized that when we talk about this toxic reality or influence in our lives part of why we can have these rumblings of dissatisfaction or discontent is because of that great disparity when we compare so this psychologist was saying if you have lots of 
poor people in an area and it's predominantly poor, the crime rate is actually surprisingly low because, hey, they're all poor. Or if people are all rich, same thing, or they're all middle class, same thing. But when you now have a disparity, rich and poor, and the greater that disparity, then the greater that comparison. And then crime rises and all of these things that happen because of this discontent. And that's what we wanted to unpack today, or that's what I wanted to share with you guys. You know, when we look around us, Let's be a little bit more uh, practical to your world. You're going online, as I mentioned, there's this political landscape, right? And there's discontent that's being brought about by different views, etc. There's also people who post, and maybe you've seen these hashtags, hashtag blessed, right? Look at me, even if it's a pandemic, I'm traveling here, hashtag blessed, or I got this new job or promotion, or I got this new thing, or I'm in a new relationship, or I just got engaged, hashtag blessed, or hashtag feeling blessed. And you know, in, in the Philippine context, this leads to a lot of comparison, whether we are conscious of it or not, where because of that comparison, they now have this, a relationship, a new car, a new job, a promotion, travel, and I can't. And that disparity, the greater the disparity, the greater is the discontent and the dissatisfaction. Whereas before that, we were actually okay. So it, it has risen, it has brought rise to even hashtags like Sana all, right? Sana all. I wish all of us had that same thing. And, and that's what I wanted to speak to today. You know, I do not know where you are at, but if we're very honest with ourselves, I think we can all admit that because of this comparison that is made more in our face because of social media and all of the things we can see online, there is really a growing discontent. That's the toxic reality or influence we wanted to destroy today. And as we destroy this, Maybe some of you heard me share this at the Sunday message, the one word acronym that I wanted us to think of and use to remember how to destroy this content is the word BOOM. And I'm gonna, if you heard the Sunday message I gave, I'm gonna localize it for us here at our singles conversation. I'll use the same acronym and key ideas, but the, the application and even the things I will share, hopefully will speak better to you and your needs where you guys are at, right? So um, when we look at, the one word to destroy discontent, the word I'm gonna use is boom, boom. Be aware, overhaul our perspective, overcome through Christ and make it holy. And like I said, I'm gonna contextualize it for your situation. So hopefully this is a little bit more singles focused. Um, and I enjoy tweaking it for, for our time together. Uh, when we look at this boom, this is how I want us to apply it. If you're with friends right now, or if you're alone and you're feeling discontent, I want you to say boom to this discontent. Boom to what I'm feeling right now. If someone is causing it to you, in your mind, you can say boom, or you can look at them and say boom, right? If you wanna do that, if you've got the guts to do that, whatever is creating that discontent. Maybe you're looking at some political things again right now, you can say boom to these political things and just help set the right tone as we find out what the Bible says and how we can learn how better to destroy this discontent or this toxic reality, all this comparison that's happening. Boom, we say boom, all right? And we're gonna look at the example of Paul. And I love how he has become a great model for us. Let's go straight to it. Uh, the first is being aware. When you look at Paul, and this is the main scripture we'll look at, Philippians 4, verse 11 to 13. I like how Paul says this. He says, not that I speak for want, for I have learned to be content. 
He says in the scripture you're seeing right now, in whatever circumstances I am, I know how to get along with humble means. I also know how to live in prosperity. In any and every circumstance, Paul says, I have learned the secret of being filled, going hungry, both of having abundance and suffering need. And there's that very popular verse, I can do all things to him who strengthens me. We're going to unpack this scripture and look at what the other parts of the Bible say about contentment how we can destroy discontent with a boom. And this first principle of being aware is essentially the reminder for us that as you see here, there's a highlight I'm showing you guys on your screen. It says, I have learned to be content, Paul says. So that reminder for us is we're not born with contentment. All of us from the very beginning, when Adam and Eve were created, even they had discontent. You'd think that with everything that God created for them, they would be perfectly happy and satisfied. But once comparison comes in, once there's this desire, in their case, the, the, the devil planted it with Eve saying, really? You know, if you look at that one tree and that fruit and you take from it, then amazing things will happen. So uh, we need to learn to be content. It's not something automatic. And, and we're going to unpack practical ways to do that from the Bible as we go on. But the first thing you need to be able to do really right now is to admit and actually say, you know what? I need to be aware that I am actually discontent. I have this. This is a problem and a concern and a toxic reality that I can't play games with. I need to crush it because if I don't, it can lead to all sorts of disastrous things. So here's a question for us as we look at our life and reality what are our discontentments right now and what's driving it you know we look at the surface things right could it be relationships the lack of a relationship some family issues that's going on right now could it be a work related thing or an income related thing because of the the disasters or the things that this pandemic has caused us could it be um health right uh, that, that maybe is plaguing you right now what is it that's creating discontent for you right now maybe it's the sales that you saw in the past weekend and what you're not able to do or could be politics, whatever that is. I do not know what you're going through right now, but God does. And as we open up and look at how we can change from this whole message, that's the first thing I wanted us to, to look at from God's word. Paul is reminding us it's something we need to learn. So we need to be aware that it is there. And as we are aware that it is there, identify what are these discontentments and what's at the root? What's driving it right now? Right? What's driving it? That's the first question. Let's move on. When you look at Paul's uh, um, sharing here, the scripture, it says he's learned to be content. And he says something pretty uh, uh, powerful. He says, in whatever circumstances, right? So as we step back, we realize that, hey, you know what? It might be difficult. It might sound difficult. You've identified the area of discontent. Maybe it's a, re a relationship. Maybe it's your health. Um, maybe it's, uh, again, a financial situation. And when you look at it, there is real reason to feel unhappy or discontent or not dissatisfied with your situation. That's all right. And you can be honest with God. You can tell him how you feel. But here's the key. Even as we bring it to him, will we stay there? Will we allow the discontent to grow and create all sorts of ugly things in our hearts and our minds? Um, when we look at Paul's example, I love how he reminds us, even as we are now aware, we need to overhaul our perspective. We need to be able to say, just like Paul in this situation, you know what? Whatever. Can you guys say that with me? Whatever circumstances I'm in, I can go boom. 
right? I can destroy this discontentment. Now, it sounds light and funny as I'm sharing it, but let me unpack this. The reason why I appreciate Paul and the reason why I'm able to believe him and trust that God is telling me this is because when we look at Paul's circumstances, boy, it was not easy, right? So if, if you're looking at your circumstances right now that make you feel discontent, let's take a little bit of a look at Paul's situation, right? First of all, he's writing this from prison. He's in prison because of corrupt officials who are wanting to execute him over false charges. And now he's saying, hey guys, we can be content in whatever circumstances. So I want you to appreciate that. And when you look at these other scriptures that really kind of open my mind to how Paul has the authority to say, guys, you know what? I've been to a lot of stuff. So believe me when I say we can be content in whatever circumstances. We can find a deep sense of peace and satisfaction. And maybe as you're listening right now, that's what you're looking for. You're, you're restless because in general, you're looking at your life and you're trying to find satisfaction, fulfillment, pleasure in so many things. Pero sa totoo lang, it's become empty. It's not satisfying for you. Maybe even some of you are looking for it in ministry. You're serving, you're helping, and you're finding yourself saying, is this it, really? You're tired because there's something more. And so here's what it is. Paul is now looking at his circumstances, right? You're seeing it on your screens now. He says, I speak as if insane. He says, I've been in prison. Look at all these highlights. I've been beaten, right? And, and as I look at this, each, each of these things on their own, I'm asking, is that a circumstance I've even been in? Is that a circumstance that I can be content in? The, the answer to me, honestly, is no way. And it's not just one thing, right? Look at all of these things. Imprisoned, being beaten, in danger of death. And then the Bible goes on and he says, 39 lashes, five times. These are nasty whips that they used to torture people back in the day. Think about Jesus and the whips that he went through, right? And then he says, I was beaten three times with rods. He was stoned. How many of you were ever stoned? And this isn't the drug stone, right? This is being stoned, being uh, assaulted with stones being thrown at you. And then he says he was shipwrecked three times. Shipwrecked, right? Uh, and and, and in, in these experiences, he spent a night and day in the deep. Man, that, that is insane. And then he's been in danger from rivers, from robbers, from countrymen, from the Gentiles, in the city, in the wilderness, on the sea, amongst false brethren. He says, in labor and hardship, he's had sleepless nights. You know, I'm catching my breath just trying to say this. Hunger and thirst in cold and exposure, daily pressure from the concern of all the churches. He was smashed, right? Paul and his circumstances were really insane. And, you know, he, he, I love how even as he went through all of these things, what are we learning from Paul? We need to overhaul our perspective. We're looking at our circumstances. We're now seeing Paul's circumstances and Paul's, Paul is a real guy with all these real stories. And we're asking ourselves, have I ever been in that situation? And in each of those circumstances, can I imagine being okay and saying, I'm happy, I'm content, you know, or, or I have peace, you know? Um, what he's saying is it's possible. And he's showing how, hey, we can be content in whatever circumstances. And he's, he's sharing that to us from his own experience. So for me, when I looked at it, I you know, the circumstances I've been in, and I'm not even content, and how dare I? So I'm thinking, okay, okay, I can learn to be content in whatever circumstances by overhauling my perspective. And look at what Paul did. This is how he was able to be content in whatever circumstance. 
In another circumstance, 2 Corinthians 1, verse 9 to 10, Paul tells us, I had the sentence of death, or we had the sentence of death within ourselves, so he would not trust in ourselves. So he's sharing how he's now reframed or looked at this whole perspective or his circumstance differently. The circumstances do not change. He said they had the sentence of death. He wanted to die. Parang mamamatay na siya. And with all the stuff we saw earlier, literally, there are many moments where he was almost literally going to die. Now, instead of focusing on that, the tragedy of his circumstances, how he felt, and all of the disastrous implications of it, which he probably felt and was very real and open and, and telling God about, Here's what really blesses me. Here's the lesson for us as we overhaul our perspective. Look at how he reframed it. He said, this is why I'm going through this, so that we would not trust in ourselves, but in God. Instead of trusting in me and my ability, God is allowing this thing because he wants me to trust in him. Circumstances don't change, but his perspective has changed and it created wonderful things for Paul. Look at what he says as he goes on. God delivered us from so great a peril of death. So past tense, ginawa niya para sa akin to. And he says, will deliver us. He will even do it. Even in this thing that I'm going through right now, the sentence of death, he will deliver us. Look at that confidence. And then he said, because he's the one we have set our hope on. And then he says, he will yet deliver us. Meaning, even if there's any other things he will allow in my life, God will take me through. Look at that wonderful reframing of perspective. Again, his circumstances don't change, but his perspective does. And as that happens, it creates great peace and satisfaction for Paul and even hope in him. And maybe for some of us, as we're hearing this, that's exactly what we need to do to be able to boom, to destroy this discontent, this restlessness. We need to reframe it. And instead of focusing on that problem, on that discontent, we shift it and look at, hey, you know what? There is another way of framing it. I want to keep my eyes set on my trust in God, as you're seeing Paul's example here, and how he will deliver me. And he will even deliver me from whatever. I love this expression we've heard many times, but I want to echo it again, right? As people who follow Jesus, our lives will not be storm-free, but they can be storm-proof. Storm-proof. right? Jesus will, will take us through this, as we're seeing in the confidence of Paul. You know, um, I remember how this became real for me some some years ago, um, I, right before the pandemic, I believe, where I was, you know, I, I've had this regimen of exercising quite regularly. But one time I, I slept very late and I had missed a couple of days of workout. And then uh, in the morning, I went straight to it. I did my leg lifts. I did some squats, so very heavy leg, leg workouts. And then I did some chest exercises, right? And I caught my breath. And you know that feeling of, of being really puyat or, or sleeping late and not having worked out for a while or do, doing anything exercise-wise where you feel like you're catching your breath and you feel like you feel a little bit faint. Some of you are relating to me right now. But for me, it was a little bit different where I felt like I was going to pass out. So I stood up and I was still catching my breath and it wouldn't calm down. So I sat down, I lay down. I was trying to find any position to help make me calm, but it wasn't working. So I decided to go up to our kitchen and get some water and trying to relax. So I went up the stairs of our, our kitchen, right? So this is our third floor. We have a, a workout area. I went forward up the stairwell that curves up to the kitchen. And then here's the crazy thing. Right as I was about to enter our kitchen through the door, 
the last thing I remember was hearing a thud, boom. And then I hear people going over me, ay, nako, si sir. And then the driver comes rushing, and then the, the helper comes rushing towards, towards me. And the, I hear this, and I see them faintly, and then things just go black. The next thing I feel is I'm seated at the kitchen table drinking water and my eyes are closed like this because I'm, I'm trying to regroup and my, my, my consciousness comes back and I'm like, what in the world happened? You know, I'm like, who I passed out and my eyes are closed at this time. I'm drinking the water and as I take my, my, my water and I'm feeling my heart kind of calm down a little bit, I open my eyes and the craziest thing, I could not see anything. I felt the sensation of my eyes opening, but everything was pitch black. And in that moment, I want to be honest with you, I freaked out. I was like, holy cow. And I felt a bruise on my head. I felt these pains now from my fall. And I thought to myself, have I lost my sight? Have I gone blind? And in that moment, I'm telling you all of these rush of thoughts, like what is the last thing I saw? My kids, you know, and I was, I was shuffling to all these visuals. I'm like, Lord, you know, if this will be the last moment I will ever see, you know, um, those things that I saw, you know, was I able to maximize this? And I said, what if, what if as I'm losing my sight now, I'm going to pass out and black out because I have a major nerve or something that got damaged in me, right? And as I'm thinking about these things, I'll be honest with you, suddenly all of my perspective changed. I was able to reframe many of the things. I was asking myself, what is the last thing I said to my wife? Was it pleasant? What are the things that we were, uh, uh, you know, kind of messing around about, you know, or something that I was getting irritated or uh, agitated or frustrated about? Was it all worth it, the things with the kids? So all of these things that in my heart, I might not have been even content about or I created rumblings, created tension because of that. Was it all worth it? You know, and it, honestly, in my heart and mind, I said, no, it was not worth it. If this is my last moment now, my last chance to see anything or my last chance to actually breathe, will all of the things that I have done ha have mattered? Will those things that I stressed out about or was not happy about, will those things have mattered? And the answer was no. And so I immediately, as those things were shuffling to my mind, I prayed, I said, Lord God, I'm sorry. You know, and I pray that you would, would, help me regain my sight and let this not be my last moment you know and so I, I really prayed and even as i prayed you know what i came to a point where i was closing my eyes and i said lord even if i don't want this even if i will lose my sight i will be content as a hard prayer but i said but please if it is your will let me see again so i drank a little bit of water i took some breaths some deep breaths then I opened my eyes and as I opened my eyes, I saw some shadows and I was like, oh, this is it. And as I saw some shadows, things were getting a little bit clearer. And then I finally saw my wife come to me. You know, it was the helper and the driver that took care of me. And my wife finally held my hand. And the first person I saw with my eyes was my wife. And I said, wow, you're so beautiful. <laughs> I said something flirtatious like that. Um, and she said, are you okay? And I said, yes, I'm feeling better. And I'm so grateful. And I told her what had happened, right? That I almost lost my sight. But, you know, I, I share this with you because that honestly terrifying moment helped reframe things for me. And the circumstances didn't change, right? My wife was there, my kids, all of that. But I had this, this renewed and refreshed sort of gratefulness and literal outlook in life where I said, okay, I need to make sure I don't sweat the small stuff. 
and going to this theme of discontentment. You know, I don't worry. I don't stress. I don't let my heart get unhappy or concerned or discontent with things that don't really matter. Just being able to see suddenly was a great sense of contentment and joy for me. And you know, that's what we're seeing here. Paul is teaching us this. So in the second question we're asking ourselves right now, how can I reframe my circumstances so that I might find greater contentment and peace? See, that's part of what I was sharing, right? And that's what we saw in the life of Paul. When we reframe it, instead of focusing on the problem, instead of focusing all these things, and instead looking at things that might be things that we overlook. Lord, thank you that I have sight. Thank you that I can breathe. Suddenly, when we have all of this gratefulness, we can be content. We can have this satisfaction of saying, you know, at least I have all these things. And when we look at even the, the way that Paul framed it, right, this trust in God and who he is, that, that gave him a lot of peace. So what do we need to say boom to boom? Boom to these discontentments. Boom to these circumstances. I want to reframe it so that I might overhaul my perspective and once again destroy discontent and find contentment that is from God. Let's move on. When we look at this third point, overcoming through Christ, we're looking at the verses on your screen right now. And I just want to go straight to this word secret. I have learned a secret. There it is in that highlight. What is a secret that Paul talks about here? I'm going to go straight and, and just talk about how when Paul says he's found the secret coming from what we looked at, right? Overhauling our perspective. We're now reframing it. We see how Paul here gives us the secret, the ultimate reframing, if you will. What should we be focusing on through all of the discontent and circumstances and things in our life that we want to say boom to? What is it? I like how he says here. He says the secret is actually looking at verse 13 doing all things through Christ who strengthens me. The secret to contentment is realizing we can overcome these discontent, whatever is driving it, through Christ. And he does this masterfully because he's comparing this Christ sufficiency, being able to overcome through Christ, versus self-sufficiency, which is what content means. That's the other highlight you're looking at in your screens right now. This first word content is actually a Greek word from the word autarkis, which basically means self-sufficient. I don't need anything else. I can do things on my own. Now, Paul is using that word as a contrast. He's saying, this is what many of us are thinking of when you think about contentment, self-sufficient. And it's a word being popularized by the Greek philosophy of that time of stoicism or being stoic. I'm all sufficient. I don't need anybody. And as a result of this, I don't have to feel anything. So he's saying, this is not what we want, this self-sufficiency. That's not the secret to contentment. It is Christ's sufficiency. That's what I've experienced, Paul. And that's what you can experience, Edric, or any of you guys. And that is the secret to being able to really find this lasting peace and satisfaction that is storm proof whatever our circumstances are you guys following me so this is beautiful so that's what it is and you know as another story for you guys um there was another point in my life another moment this is one of the hardest parts of my life if i was to, to be honest with you guys where 
Um, my wife Joy went through some major surgery. This is about three years ago when we had our sixth baby, right? So the baby comes out and everything's great. Joy's recovering, but in the weeks that she's recovering, she starts to have a fever. And some of you maybe have heard me share this before. Uh, so I'll just kind of get to the main point and the heart of what I wanted to share. Um, my wife had a fever and it was un abnormal. So they found a cyst. And when we first had the cyst diagnosed, they saw that it was hidden by the baby. So all nine months, and it was growing behind the baby, would never detect it until the baby finally came out. And when the baby came out, not only was it detected, but it started to grow. It was creating a bulge and it was creating a fever in my wife because it, would, it got infected. So this large uh, endometrial cyst, it's called, had to be operated on. And initially the doctor was like, oh, it's a two to three hour surgery, laparoscopic, so no scars. Joy was happy about that, we're all happy. And we rolled her in for that surgery. But what happened was, instead of it being two to three hours, the doctor came, called me. Uh, and as I came back in, um, they were operating on her. So a, a representative came in and said, uh, please wait for the doctor. The doctor comes out fully clothed with other doctors with her. So I was like, holy cow, there's a team of about four or five of them. And she said, Edric, unfortunately, the surgery is more complicated than we expected. So you need to stay here and we will keep updating you on what's happening. And when she said that, I didn't realize what that meant up until as I was waiting through the hours, she would come back in and show me other organs that they were now cutting and removing because the endometrial cyst had spread. So they were looking at, at her organs and they were saying it had spread. And because it had spread, they didn't know where it was going. So they were removing all the parts so that none of the parts would have the same problems and infections. And what did this mean to me? The reason I'm sharing all this, in my moment alone, while this information was being fed to me, I was getting very, very stressed and worried and concerned about my wife. And there came a point where I was speaking to God and there was a very hard question that I had to ask myself with God. It was, what if God would take my wife in that moment? Would I be content? Would I be completely satisfied in just me and Jesus? And to be honest, at first I said, God, I, I'm not ready. I'm not ready to lose my wife. We have six kids now and they're homeschooled, you know, and there's a baby. What in the world will I do if you take her from me now? So I pleaded with God, please, don't let this be my reality, Lord God. Don't let this be part of the story you want in my life. I am really not ready. But as I, as I was honest with God, like I shared earlier, we can be honest with Him with whatever our circumstances. But what is important is what we do with that feeling or that circumstance or that reality or that discontent. And when I brought that to God, He asked me, will you be content with just me? Will you be satisfied with just me? And in that moment, I was honest. I said, God, I've given you my heart. My answer is yes. Even if you take my wife, I'm getting emotional now. Even if you take my wife, Joy, from me, I will be content. It was a hard answer, but it was the true answer in my heart. And, but I said, but please, if it is your will, do not take her from me. And you know, the rest is history. As God brought me to that point, of being content and reminding myself that even if I love my wife, I do up until this point more than any person on this planet. And she has been my best friend, my buddy, my confidant. I said, Lord, even if you take her, I will be content with you. As I did that with God, he whispered, I will not forget this. 
he told me in my heart and in my mind, he said, okay, son, I hear you. She will be okay. And 10 hours later, my wife recovered from the surgery. She came out. I saw her and the rest is history. You know, now I've, I've had a, if you will, a bonus, a wonderful addition to her life. And this really is a, a, a bonus for, for her in many ways. So it is with that newfound, like, Lord, you've given her a second chance. That was not her story. That I look at her with different lenses. And this is, this is part of what we want I wanted to share with you guys. When we look at overcoming through Christ in that moment, you know who gave me the strength to be able to say yes? It was Christ. It was not my self-will. It was Him in me. And that's what these verses are telling us. The way we're able to reframe to overall our perspective is really to overcoming through Christ. Being able to say, and this is the context of the verse, I can do all these things through Christ who strengthens me. In other words, I can find deep contentment and satisfaction through Christ who gives me the strength. We cannot self-will it. We cannot juju this or find ways to, to talk ourselves to be, I'll be positive. That's not going to work. That's not going to last. True, deep contentment and satisfaction amidst the challenges of our life is found through Christ's power alone. And that's who strengthened me. And that's how I was able to get through even that moment. So not self-sufficiency, but Christ-sufficiency, taking us to even dark moments like the one I shared earlier. And as I, as I wrap up this point, it's important for us to remember that not only is Christ all we, uh, not only are we strengthened by Christ, but Christ is literally all we need, right? Just like what I shared there. And I remember um, in a gathering we had with our disciples back in the day when we had mixed disciples, right? So for those who don't know disciples, it's like a small Bible study group where we talk about God's word. We had single folks and married folks and there were more and more of the singles were getting married and there's one girl, her name is Jen and we were so blessed by Jen because in that moment, you know what happens in these gatherings, right? We're teasing, we're like, oi, Jen, you know, um, tell us what is it you're looking for in the perfect guy or the guy that God might have for you so that we can help you, you know? We were teasing and joking and I, you know, I, I thought she would laugh with us. Instead of laughing, I'll never forget, her face became a little bit more serious and pensive and she said, you know what? I've never actually thought about that. We're like, what? You know, here was Jen. Jen was a very successful entrepreneur, was a very sweet gal, was a great cat. She loved God. So part of all of the things checked off. So why was she not looking for someone, right? Or why would she, did she not think about that criteria? So we asked her, Jen, why, have you, why are you saying you haven't thought about it? He said, you know what? To be honest, I am so completely satisfied right now in Jesus that anything else, even a partner, would be a, a bonus. So I never forgot that. Anything else would be a bonus. And that's what this is also about. When we say overcoming through Christ, it is the idea that not only are we strengthened by Him, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but also that Christ is all I need. And look at this verse. Paul echoes this. Philippians 3.8, more than that, I count all things to be in loss in view of the surpassing value of knowing Christ Jesus my Lord, for whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Beautiful verses just to remind us that that is the heart of what we heard even in that story of Jen, that because I have Jesus, everything is a bonus. So here's the question. Are we fully content in Jesus? As we look at this, 
overcoming through Christ? Are we fully content or do we have a Jesus plus, right? The Jesus pluses. Could it be a marriage or a relationship? Some of us are looking for that. Some of us are looking for a good job or a successful business or good health or a new thing, a house, car, gadget, or a better family or more money or hashtag blessings, right? Maybe that's what we're looking for until we become content. But Jesus is reminding us, hey, you know what? I'm all you really need. And until we come to that point where we're able to say, Jesus, you're all I need, then we will continue to be discontent, unhappy, unsatisfied. So that's why this is a powerful question. We need to be able to say, Jesus, you're all I need. I don't need anything on top of you for me to be content. In fact, because I am so content in you, everything else will be a bonus. So the question is, are we looking for Jesus's blessing or is Jesus the blessing and that's all we need. Last point, you know, this, this picture of boom, being able to be destroy this content, right, is not a passive thing. Uh, I like how when we look at the last part, when Paul says, I can do, it, it's exactly that. It's an action. We want to be able to look at our discontent, look at our circumstances, and now focus on what we can do. You see, Contentment is not complacency. Right? We're not saying, okay, so content means, well, I won't push hard anymore at my work or I'm okay right as a Christian, I'll just stay where I am, you know, and I'll just kind of wait for God to do things. Of course not. We need to do our part. We need to do, as the Bible tells us here, right? There is a part where we need to keep doing things. What do we need to keep doing? Well, the main pursuit we should have, the do, right, that we need to focus on is things that are holy, so make it holy is the last point. And this has everything to do with looking at our discontentment and turning that discontentment into something holy. So God is discontent with sin. God is discontent, discontent with the fact, or he's unhappy. He's not satisfied with the fact that, you know, there are people who don't know him, have not chosen him yet. So look at these, the verses that we're looking at here. First Timothy 2, 3, 4 tells us, he desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So that is God's ultimate heart and his discontent is that there are so many people who have not yet chosen him as their, uh, as Jesus as their Lord and Savior. They don't have that relationship with him yet and therefore they will perish and end up in hell. And he wants us to be able to reach them. So do we have that as our holy discontent like Paul? Look at Paul here. He says, all of these circumstances in Philippians 1.12, right, have turned out for the greater progress of the good news of God. The same discontent. Look at how his heart is aligned with God's in that discontent. Look at how he says in this next verse. He says, I have become a slave to all people to bring many of them to Christ. I do everything to spread the good news. So Paul is sharing this discontent. The question is, are we sharing this discontent? We need to now look at all of the things we're doing in our life and say, ultimately, what am I doing? What am I pursuing? Am I pursuing this holy discontent, right? And as we look at this, as a final thought for us, pursuing this holy discontent, I like how, you know, as we pursue this holy discontent, it is an action. We need to remember that we pursue the holy discontent in the unique way. So how, Edric, am I supposed to, to pursue, um, you know, getting God's gospel message to as many people as possible or to, to make disciples as Jesus also instructed us? How am I going to do that with regards to my job, all the other things, right? What am I going to do? Well, my encouragement is God gives us that general holy discontent. 
to get his gospel message out there to as many people like Paul said. But we need to now frame that in our unique circumstances, the way that God has called you. The Bible tells us each one of us is special. Can you say that? Special. Fearfully and wonderfully made, the Bible tells us in Psalm 139. And uh, as we go about that, you know, the practical way to, to unpack that is, okay, what is that unique way that I am to do that? Look at your realities right now. The, the work, if you're doing some schooling, the schooling, the family circumstances, and all of these roles you're playing, and ask yourself a few things. Do all of these things, are my motivation in doing all of these things, number one, directed towards making sure I can get God's gospel message across that's number one if not then those things that don't maybe we need to weed them out and number two are we doing this with all our might as i said earlier contentment is not complacency meh i'll just cruise in my job i'll just cruise in my my schooling i'll just cruise in my family in my walk with god the bible tells us in ecclesiastes 9 10 whatever your hand finds to do do it with all your might let me close with one last story for you all um, in my own rumblings with discontent at the workplace, right? Um, there was a season where I was doing TV and I was still pursuing the education space through this non-traditional form of learning called home education or homeschooling. And there was a critical juncture where I was asking myself, you know, what am I going to pursue? Should I go all out with TV or should I go all out with this homeschooling or carry it on? Because to be honest, I was getting a little tired. It was an uphill battle doing the homeschool and talking about it and working with government agencies. It was growing, but there was so much pushback. But the TV world was so much more attractive to me. It was new. It was fun. It was exciting. Uh, a number of the things I did were easy money, to be very honest with you guys. So I was at a juncture. And I knew that my main, my the holy discontent of God is, hey, get the gospel message out there. And I was trying to infuse that across those things. So I now had a practical question. God, what do I focus on? Because I can do it in both places, right? But because he uniquely made me, I asked myself some honest questions. And as I asked myself some honest questions, I looked at some very important considerations. What are my passions? What are my skills and what are the sources of income that i have and as i put these all together you're looking at a diagram here called the hedgehog I, I love this diagram it's been very practical for me it's from jim collins's book and as i looked at these things it's called a hedgehog because a hedgehog has only one go-to move to allow it to thrive and do well even as it, it it survives and goes forward right so it's the same for us and this is a principle that was shared to me by a mentor who I had approached with that question. How do I focus? And what I learned is even as God has this big holy discontent to get the gospel message to as many people as possible, he puts a unique one in our hearts. And that's what we should focus on. So here's how he helped me do it. He helped me look through these circles. And he said the convergence of all three, you can be doing many things, but the convergence is your hedgehog. And that's the focal point you should now be pursuing with as much energy and time as possible versus the other things. That's how you will know. So I did that. And for me, it became the homeschooling space. So I gradually stepped back from the TV worlds. And even if, you know, I said, you know, there's so many opportunities here. I was loving it. I pursued that because this was my unique call that God had given to me. And oftentimes we might feel a little bit like, ah, I'm not sure about this, but I trusted God. And as I did that, you know, can I share with you guys, someone gave me this formula. 
FI over T times G equals M. And they encouraged my heart. They said, Edric, focus intensity over time multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. So I stuck it out. I stayed in that space, even if I felt a little bit bad leaving the world of TV. But as I stuck it out, focused intensity over time, and I trusted God and how he uniquely made me following even that diagram, multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. Guess what? Even as you're listening to me right now, the whole world knows about homeschooling. Everybody was forced to it. There was about 1.6 billion students all over the world who had to learn from home because of the pandemic. And by God's grace, we were there, there at the right time, at the right place with all the decades, the decade that we had been building and the years that I had put into that, even as we experienced it and the rest is history. God affirmed it in my heart. And you know, that's what I wanted to encourage you guys with. This, even this sharing to you was a bonus. I was already content. I said, okay, God, I will be content just being able to focus and just keep being faithful and doing that. But as a wonderful bonus, God allowed me to see how that decision made a lot of sense looking backwards. So that's what I wanted to encourage you with as I close. We need to be able to make it holy. You look at, here's the question. You look at that holy discontent of God. Look at the realities in your life and ask first, am I pursuing these things that I'm doing not for me, but so that God might get glory and so that they might get to know this same Jesus that I know, getting God's gospel across all the things we do. The second is, are we doing that once again to be able to bring Him glory? And where we have a number of things, I've given you a practical framework to help focus. What is it that I should focus on so that I know the unique calling God has for me and as I pursue that unique calling, focus intensity, over time, multiplied by God equals unstoppable momentum. Watch what He will do as a wonderful bonus in your life. Right? That is what I wanted to close with. So what did we learn again today? We learned four things. In order to destroy discontent, boom, be aware, overhaul our perspective, overcome through Christ, and make it holy. Let's pray. Lord, we want to thank you for just speaking to our hearts and minds and you know exactly where each one of us are at this point. We want to make two prayers to you as we finish our time here and look at destroying discontent with a boom. First, we want to pray that whatever the discontent in our life, we are able to bring to you and we will allow you to be the one to completely satisfy us, Lord Jesus. And as we pray for these things, we pray that from that point of satisfaction and deep content in you, we do not become complacent we move forward from this point and are able to pursue the broad, overarching, holy discontent you have for all of us that we might reach and save those or reach and share your gospel message to as many as we can, discipling as we go. And as we, we pursue that, help make clear to us also that unique holy discontent or the unique way in which we can pursue now um, that overarching holy discontent, Lord God, in the workspace and what to focus on as we look at some practical ways to do that and help us to indeed do your words and your instructions today not just hear it the second prayer are for some of the friends and guests who might be hearing this message and are not sure whether or not they know you they know your son jesus and as a result of that they have this deep discontent and unrest and lack of peace and they've been trying to find uh, contentment in, in all the 
in all sorts of places and today they're realizing that only you can really satisfy only your son jesus can give what it is we're looking for that deep deep sense of peace and contentment being storm proof as a result lord jesus and so um we want to pray with those guests right now and if you are that you can say something like this lord jesus i i receive you in my life today i surrender my life to you right now and i ask for forgiveness for all the sins that i have done and i thank you that you died on the cross for my sins and as i receive this it is now with a a confidence that you will give me the peace you promise you will fill me and you will allow me to experience you in full measure so that everything else becomes a bonus as we heard and i thank you lord jesus i i make you the lord of my life i thank you for being the savior of my life and uh, I, I look forward to once again uh, being able to deeply be satisfied in you and have your peace so that as I move forward, everything will be a bonus and I too can now pursue that unique thing you have for me and find deep fulfillment in doing that as well. Salamat po, Panginoon. Thank you, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen and amen. So God bless you all. Thank you again for this privilege of speaking to you. Let's destroy this content with a boom, boom. Bye, everybody. Singles, if we rest our hope in what the world offers, then we will never be content. True contentment is found through Christ alone because really, all we need is Him. So remember, when faced with discontent, just say boom, B-O-O-M. B, be aware. O, overhaul your perspective. O overcome through Christ, and M make it holy. To help process the message, here are the breakout questions. First, on a scale of 1 to 10, how content are you at this moment? Why? Second, based on the message, why is it important to be fully content in Jesus? And third, what are the practical steps you can take to boom discontent? Enjoy your breakout single. See you again next week. Take care and God bless.